Jack, I'm fucking old. Yeah. I feel I feel about a thousand years old today. I went to see Coheed and Cambria play last night. You did? I did. Uh, they played a stage AE. It was fucking amazing. And my God, I thought I was reserved at this show. I didn't dance a whole lot. <laughs> I knew I was standing on muddy ground. Uh, oh, it was like an outdoor show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah Stage AE has this outdoor section to it, so okay. that if like if they're not doing indoor shows, they basically the the back end of the indoor stage is the outdoor stage, and That's it's sweet. like a little mini amphitheater. It's a really good setup, but it also rained during uh, like yeah, it did. like from like the tail end of the opening act through part of the main support. It rained pretty good. <laughs> and uh oh, so it was yeah so like i'm trying to like keep my footing on the mud and everything and now like today my back and my knees are just like fucked were you soaked did you get soaked from no the... i had a poncho okay, I, I, I think th- actually you know what first time ever i've gone to a show i'm waiting on i'm waiting in line to get in the door and a scalper uh-huh. has ponchos for sale five bucks i got ponchos for fine for i was taken care of and to save my merch <laughs> like, nice. oh yeah that would have that would have sucked yeah it, yeah, I, I've never seen I've never seen uh, a a scalper with his holdings that diversified before. It was kind of great. <laughs> nice. Um, I felt like that the pain that I'm feeling today mm-hmm. has got me thinking. Given the subject matter we're talking about right, here today, right, right, uh, yeah. if I had to replace any part of my body with bionic parts, what would I do? So I'm curious, Jack. What do you think? What 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 would you go for? Oh, I thought you were going to ask what I should get for you. Like you were my. I'm, girl. I'm curious about that too. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no. Let's do you first, so that I can sit here and paint well, for a minute longer. Uh, initially, I was trying to be. I don't know, a little bit, a little bit more helpful, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I will have water hands, and I people can drink water from my fingers." You um, mean like a, like a little squirt gun? Yeah, like, oh, like okay, if you're thirsty. Okay. Because you, um, you said water hands, and immediately I thought you meant hands made of water. I was no. like, that's weird, and also like elemental and not bionic. Right, but, right. No, no, no. No, but if if you got like a if you got like like a like a like a hydraulic system of right. some sort, if you think like a fountain drink machine, but just water yeah. and it's coming out of my fingers. But then I You're realized like a little soda fountain. I realized I would have to carry that water around with me. Like it's just not going to come out. You of would you would have to have storage for it. Yeah, because otherwise, who knows what's coming out of there? <laughs> right. So I switched it up and decided to go a little bit more chaotic in which i am able to manipulate sonics interesting so some for myself like i could create white noise brown noise in my head to chill the fuck out okay i could uh you know like there's certain pitches that have an effect on people such as like sound that makes them go crazy or like makes them all spooky or like or just just a pants (laughs) i knew i knew you were gonna go there (laughs) which as far as i'm aware is is theoretical but they, it can't re- it can't be real, right? They have like, created they have figured out how to uh make people puke from certain sounds. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, I guess that kind of tracks is when cops use that like LRAD mm-hmm. shit, it has some pretty nauseating effects. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not happy that I know that or that it, it exists. I mean, but say, I hate that that's why I know that. 
Yeah, that's also why I know that. Ah, fuck. But yeah, like, so, like some manipulation. Basically, the Black Panther character claw, but not from movies <laughs> at all. Sure. Like, like the, the, the actually the, the original Ulysses claw. Right. Yeah. But the the notch Smeagol claw, <laughs> right? Except for he's not very very creative in the comics. He's just like it's loud. I mean, you got yeah. you could do some other stuff. And like, but loud, loud. <laughs> so so that claw doesn't have a mixtape that's out there somewhere. No, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, Jesus. Uh, Belinda says she wants teles- telescoping arms because she's tiny and wants to be able to reach stuff on the top shelf. That would that would have a number of applications that I'm sure she would find. Yeah, it. yeah, just. <laughs> I'm sure she'd have She would grab so many butts. She would grab so many butts. You know she would, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Belinda, our community pervert uh, from our, our Fifty Shades of Grey episode. God, I mean, my, I'm, my brain is so back-centric right now. But I was thinking earlier, it might actually make more sense to have a bionic core. Uh, okay. Like, just completely get rid of, like, my stomach. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not my stomach. I want to be able to eat still. But... Like, the muscles around it, like, turn that into some kind of, like, perpetual motion machine so that it's constantly, like, keeping its balance and also keeping my metabolism going at a decent rate and, you know, doing stuff that makes me not hurt so damn much. So it's built, it's like, you know, supporting everything around it. Yeah. No, yeah, that that makes sense and is definitely better than what I was going to pick for you, which is, again, kind of sound-based powers, but um, you're able to shatter glass and concrete with your laugh kind of like amplifying that mm. yeah so like in a oh, dangerous situation man. you'd have to find some humor in, in it or it really would be effective some nervous laughter right yeah la- coping laughter <laughs> right um uh, and then any other time we'd have to have like a special helmet <laughs> for you <laughs> oh god i'm like some kind i'm some kind of awkward magneto <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's that's your name, actually. That's your. That's your, your <laughs> it's just awkward Magneto. <laughs> no, it's awkward Magneto. <laughs> awkward Magneto was never right. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus! Well, with that out of the way, thank you everybody for joining us. Welcome to Derazzle, the podcast where we take award-winning worst films and fix them, uh, except during our second unit episodes. So, welcome to Derazzled Second Unit, where we are be continuing our journey into development hell. For those of you who joined us for our first foray into the Amory Wars, thank you. I appreciate that. And I welcome you back now to our next journey into a movie that never fucking happened. The Six Million Dollar Man. I'm your host, Joe Nealis, and with me as always is also host, Jack Culbertson. Yo. Jack, what do you know about The Six Million Dollar Man? I, before we started working on this, I knew that he made sweet, sweet love to a Bigfoot. Yes, canonical. And... (laughs) He had a really dope theme song that I think was used for a car commercial. <laughs> uh, probably. I think it was probably used for a lot of commercials. Right. Sweet tracksuit. And that dads watched it when they were growing up. It is definitely a dad show. That 100%. like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's on, definitely on that level. Yeah. Absolutely. I had very similar familiarity with it, mostly because of Venture Brothers <laughs> and mostly because of older family members who would reference it and just all around references to it throughout pop culture. Oh yeah. Because yeah. even aside from the Venture Brothers, like all throughout the nineties and early two thousands, like Bionics and the mm-hmm. idea of like this super enhanced fella are just all over the place. I mean even Family Guy fucking did one. Yeah. Oh, um, also the sweet fucking action figure. 
Oh, it was a good action figure. Um, I do remember that. It was like G.I. Joe sized, like um, full full G.I. Joe sized. It had a bionic eye. Um, it's you could peel its skin back to reveal the robotic arm underneath. That's fucking uh, wild. Yeah, it was a bunch of cool shit. I love it. It was it was I think Kenner's first venture into action figure making. God, if only Kenner, Kenner had not like fucked up and gone under and everything. How like, did they fuck up? There's because they had Star Wars. I know. Yeah, uh, there's. I I, I I know that I have heard this story before. I'm pretty sure they talk a lot about that on, like, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Okay. I'll have to watch that show sometime. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. It's very good. Okay. You would you would love it. The Barbie episode in particular is very good, and so is the Hello yeah. Kitty. Oh, Hello Kitty. Yeah. I don't, that, I don't know that story. I know a little bit about Barbie. So, some of the episodes get absolutely wild. Uh, yeah. The, oh, the, like, wrestling. The WWE huh. toys are, okay. that's a pretty good one, too. Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> entirely a, different podcast. Entirely, di- entirely different podcast. Yeah, so we didn't really have a base knowledge of the show itself. I still have, at this point, not watched a single episode of uh, of The Six Million Dollar Man. You did, however. I did. I watched the... It, it wasn't a pilot so much as it was an, originally made as a uh, TV-made movie. Okay. That they recut for the show. Yes. So I watched that. That was that wasn't bad. It was... The first 20 to 30 minutes was awful, because it was like 70s made-for-TV... Oh, just uh, editing slow, bad editing, bad pacing, God. exposition dumps. I've heard people bitch about how they used to show characters walking from one area to the other, and then they discovered they could just cut, and people would be like, "Oh, I know exactly where they went because cutting." Yeah. Um. Then I watched this. I'm like, "Oh, they really did just show <laughs> astronaut Steve Austin walk down this hall into the other room," and I'm looking at my watch like. My God, <laughs> why are we watching this, this shot? This could have been a one part. Yeah, yeah, it really could have been. But after we got, once he got his abilities, it was it was pretty enjoyable. Nice. And then the second part, the secret of Bigfoot. Yes. Or the the second, the second episode. Yeah, the second episode you watched. Do you know what the secret of Bigfoot is? What is the secret of Bigfoot? He's an alien. That almost feels like too easy. A cyborg alien. Oh, better. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's also Andre the Giant. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. That just gets better yeah. the more you reveal. I love it. <laughs> the episode starts with you thinking like, oh, he's going to fight Bigfoot. There's some like science shit he's working on. And they go on a date. And then, oh, God, I wish. <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched The Return of Bigfoot, so they're still, they still have a chance. Then he meets this woman from another world. And uh, there's like a council from another world, and they're they are the scientists who are sciencing our scientists. Oh, so they're like the mice in uh, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like conducting the experiment that is our planet. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. And they're like Bigfoot is shoved into this plot because we needed somebody to abduct people to study, and a Bigfoot's really good at abducting people. He's taking people. Oh and God! He was a lesser life form on our planet, so we bionicked him. And I'm like, so you you enslaved Bigfoot? You enslaved? Yeah, gonna, that's we're just gonna we're all gonna just breeze over that. Okay. Yeah, we're just gonna <laughs> whoosh past that super quickly because <laughs> he kind of growls like Chewbacca. So we're all happy about it. I mean, I am pretty happy. No, about it's, that. it's I'm actually probably gonna go watch those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I have watched oh, a, a, God. enough of the show to kind of get the vibe. Okay, so for those of you who have no familiarity with uh, with Six Million Dollar Man outside of you know vague pop culture references, we're going to go into that a little bit here. 
First, I want to I want to uh, acknowledge some sources. Most of where I uh, of the information that I've gotten here is from a book called "The Greatest Sci-Fi Movies Never Made," written by David Hughes, who I believe is a contributor to Ain't It Cool News, hmm. okay. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Hence the afterward in here by Harry Knowles, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is a, a deeply problematic figure. Yeah. Uh, what did he do again? Did he assault somebody? Uh. I- I think it was more sexual harassment, but I can't remember oh, okay. exactly. Yeah. Okay. He, he had his own um, movie festival and used that to... To sexually harass people. Yeah. Okay. So, Harry Knowles is a problem, uh, but David Hughes, as far as we know, is not, maybe? As far as I know. I hope not. If, if he is, yeah. let me know. I'll stop using this source. I mean, as soon as that information came out, everybody on Ain't It Cool was like, peace. Neat. Anyway. Anyway. I've read... About half of it. It is an interesting yeah. book. It's a little dated at this point, yeah. but it, it has a lot of good information in it. But I, uh, yeah, I got a lot of information from that regarding this, and also from several uh, interviews with producers and cast member or potential cast members and and uh, potential directors and such. So we'll jump on in here. So the original series of the Six Million Dollar Man premiered on ABC in 1973. Uh, it's loosely based on the book Cyborg by Martin Caden. Uh, itself is sort of a modern take on uh, on Frankenstein. Uh, the book has only been out for a year uh, oh, really? uh, by the t- uh, whenever the show had premiered. The TV series follows NASA test pilot Steve Austin, played by one Lee Majors, who suffers severe injuries to his legs, arms, and left eye, and his hearing in a light atmo aircraft catastrophe. Uh, government spends about $6 million repairing his in- his injuries with bionic augmentations, but then puts him to work to repay the debt. I legitimately thought that was a fucking joke whenever they talked about that on the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and no, that's actually part of the plot, is that he, is, he has to repay the debt of his, uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of his augmentations. I don't think he's quite as angry about it as he is in the Venture Brothers. Well, he, I imagine he doesn't run not. away, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's he like, doesn't. Fine. He doesn't fuck off into the woods to live with his Bigfoot boyfriend. <laughs> right. So the episodes feature Austin carrying out a bunch of missions for the uh, Office of Scientific Investigation, which is an acronym that the meaning of which shifts depending on what source I'm looking at. Because mm-hmm. I've seen Office of Scientific Intelligence, I've seen Office of Strategic Investigation, I've seen a whole bunch of shit. Uh, and just the fact that it is OSI makes me wonder how the fuck did uh, Venture Brothers get away yeah. with their OSI, the I, o- the uh, Office of Se- I think it was the Office of Secret Intelligence. I saw that on screen. I'm like, OSI, like Venture Brothers? Because I don't think that, I, at least at that point, I don't think that Warner Brothers had the rights to those things. That, that uh, Right, right, right. Because they do now. Yeah. Yeah, they do now. But that was much further down the road, as we'll get into. Yeah, I can't remember who had rights to Cartoon Network and its properties at that time. I mean, it was always Warner Brothers. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, they might have been okay with it then. The rights to Six Million Dollar Man, though, and the source material, the mm-hmm. book series that that it was based on, uh, were held by Universal. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, we'll get into all that. That's all going to come into play here. Uh, so Austin is supervised by uh, OSI agent Oscar Goldman, played by Richard Anderson, and Dr. Rudy Wells, played by uh, Martin Balsam in the pilot, and then later played by Alan Oppenheimer and Martin E. Brooks. Uh, the show ran for 103 episodes over five years and spawned a successful spinoff in The Bionic Woman. Uh, follows the bio- bionically enhanced pro tennis player Jamie Summers, played by Lindsay Wagner. 
The show's popularity caused a couple of made-for-TV movies to come about. Anderson and Majors stumbled upon the idea for the first TV movie during a run and bike ride in France. Uh, they happened to be out that way for something. Uh, Anderson, f uh, following a running Lee Majors on a bike, uh, jokingly said, Steve, what about one more mission? And Majors <laughs> replied, no, Oscar. But then... The natural, right. like, in-character uh, little little banter they slipped into was like, hey, wait a minute. What if we did do that? And they started kind of hashing out the ideas and trying to figure out, like, is this possible? And they actually landed on an idea that they wanted to pursue. Huh. And thus we end up having uh, Return of the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman in 1987. Huh. Uh yeah, Anderson uh, managed to convince Universal and got and got everybody back together, the whole original cast, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to come back and do that. And uh, that was then followed by two more. They they ended up doing Bionic Showdown in 1989 and Bionic Ever After in oh, 1994. Yes. That's which the most, you said 94? 94. 94. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so they convinced Lindsay Wagner to come back for that one. Because they kidnapped she, her dog. And no, okay. no, specifically. Well, she was like, you know, you have to, you have to do something like really interesting for me to come back. And that really interesting thing for her was you have to let Steve and Jamie get married because she felt like they owed the audience that. Okay. So they did. So they were married in 1994 in this movie. Bionic Ever After. Bionic yeah, Ever right. After. <laughs> yes. Before we get into the actual attempts for them to make a feature-length adaptation of this, let's take a little bit, of, a little bit of a break, and then we'll come back and we'll dive on into that information. Great. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so we're again talking about the attempts to adapt the Six Million Dollar Man to a feature film, of which there were a, a handful. The very first attempt to do this spawned during the filming of Bionic Ever After. Anderson got the idea for a for a big screen version of the series, mostly because he was seeing all these other shows that had aired around the same time coming up big on the big screen. So you, you okay. got your Star Treks, you got your Adams Family, your Fugitive, your Mission Impossible, all of those finding oh, box yeah. office success, which I didn't realize Mission Impossible was a TV yeah. series before it was a, a, a Tom Cruise money, uh, money it, it's machine. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird thing to think about. I didn't realize The Fugitive was a series. I did know that one. I don't know why I knew that one, but I did know that one. And, of course, Adam's Family is just oh, yeah. you know, so fucking good. Uh, so the very first attempt, Anderson's friend, producer Jim Jacks, uh, known for The Mummy. Which one? I'm, I'm pretty sure the Brendan Fraser. Okay, uh, all right. Yeah. You're, you're all right. You He's know. all right, yeah. <laughs> so Jim Jacks offers the very first attempt for a, for a script to an up-and-coming indie film star Kevin Smith. Uh, what year was this? This is 1994. This is it literally this is all happening, like in, in like alongside Bionic Ever After happening. Uh, I think I think Smith actually like completes a script a draft of a script in 95. I was like I I know I had heard Kevin Smith in relation to this property at some point. I had no idea where. This is this is why. What the what what had he just done? Clerks, Clerks. right? That's all he had done at that point. I th Ma maybe Mallrats. That's so weird. Let me double check the date on Mallrats real quick. Like I love Clerks, but I would not watch Clerks and think this guy could do the six million dollar man. Oh no, Mallrats was ninety five. So he was like literally working on okay. Mallrats as the, as he was offered this. How weird. Yeah, very strange. 
But I mean, you know Kevin Smith, right. giant comic book nerd. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of thing that he would have a lot of fun with. Yeah, so he he pitches a story to Jax and the universe and and uh, Universal exec Nina Jacobson over dinner, and they love it. They tell him to write up a draft. They tell him to you know finish it up, polish it up, send it over. He suffers immediate writer's block. Like it oh, just no, becomes Kevin, yeah. No. It takes him so long to write this damn draft. Mostly because like he would get up in the morning and be like, oh, "Fuck, man, I don't know what the fuck the six million dollar man does today. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to save the world with him right now. I can't think of anything." And he'd just be kind of stuck in a rut for a while. But he eventually right. broke through. In 1995, he delivers a script, uh, and he decided to to. I'm sorry, 1996 actually, he delivers a script, and he decided to approach it like a comic book. That's what caused him to break through. Right. So we open with a break in at OSI HQ during which a bunch of bionics are stolen. Steve Austin crashes and suffers severe damage to his legs, one arm, and his left eye during his last mission before being able to retire and spend his life with his fiancée, Jamie Summers. Uh, and this whole se- section includes a bunch of dialogue from the opening of the original series mm-hmm. to then, like, you know, help drive the point home of, like, what's happening and what's going on and, gotcha. you know, make that connection to the nostalgia. Uh, OSI rebuilds Austin, but its ruthless leader, Sage, orders Austin's good arm and eye removed and also replaced with bionics. Uh, His skin is also replaced with a substance that allows him to change his appearance at will, both face shape and color. Uh, Okay. And is also covered in a bulletproof dermal coating. I was waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, so he's nigh indestructible and also can race bend, which is a weird choice, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, no. I'm going to, this can't be, this is in fact at all, but I'm going to assume he read the issue of the Punisher where the Punisher becomes black. And was like, oh no, nice! What a great idea! I had no idea that was a thing that happened. There's a something happens where the Punisher has to basically throw away his Frank Castle identity, and they're like, ah, oh, the so best way to hide you is to change so your. He changes race. Yeah, it didn't go over well, so they immediately changed it back. <laughs> I mean, given. Was Stan Lee still like in charge at this point, mm, or was not, probably in like an honorary sense? Okay, so he. I think I feel like if he had actual editorial control at that point, he would have been like, "No, we're not doing that." <laughs> yeah, I can't see him being like. I mean, I mean, he was so, so staunch about like race issues and whatnot, right. and, his, and his like little soapbox mm-hmm. things that he would write. I can't see him being okay with that idea. He might have been in a lawsuit with Marvel at that point. Oh, that's that's I, that was a thing at a point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't like to talk about that. Uh, an additional augmentation he's given, Steve Austin is, uh, at this point, he ha- his brain is augmented to allow for the instant downloading of information from various sources. So he's also got a bit more of a computer up there. All right. I don't like any of what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's all very weird. Uh, he also kind of did a RoboCop and added a failsafe, which would let OSI deactivate or even reprogram Austin if need be. Spoiler, he's probably going to need be. Right, yeah. So Austin is then sent after the Bionic Steves. The thief is identified as Clatch, who was the subject of a pre-Austin Bionics experiment that drove him bananas and made him want world domination by undead cyborg army. Austin goes to infiltrate Clatch's tropical island lair, but gets caught and learns that Clatch actually plans to hold the whole world hostage with a weapon capable of turning oxygen into carbon. (laughs) Uh, Austin escapes and heads to DC to face off with Clatch, who has taken Jamie Summers prisoner. 
None of this is played for laughs, by the way. No, uh, Smith no, no, was no, very no. adamant, that, like, no, this is serious. This is not going to be comedic at all. Even though he included an actual tropical island lair and named the villain Clatch. This feels very 90s comics. Like I said, it took Smith a long-ass time to actually finish this draft. So long that uh, the the uh, Universal executive, uh, Nina, J- Nina Jacobson, that he had originally made a deal with, had been replaced multiple times over <laughs> until they landed on, uh, on a, a guy named Kevin Masher. Okay. And he hated everything about this script. Uh, so he he hated the idea that there was a bionic man before Steve Austin. Actually, uh, that's like the one idea I do like. Yeah, like I don't hate that idea either, but he is it to him that takes away Steve Austin's quote unquote specialness. Nah, they they did a whoopsie. They had to do they had to do a couple of you know yeah, you trial and error. Yeah, you don't you don't get that hot that hotness right the first time. No. Good lord! Unless there's a bunch of like bionic chimps running around out there. <laughs> You know there are. There have to be a bunch. Uh, no, they launched them into space. <laughs> the they're moon's just, an awful place just, to the go. The moon's now. a terrible, <laughs> horrible place to go. You know that the moon's haunted meme, no. where there's an, aust- an astronaut with a gun, just like moon's haunted, just cocks the gun, gets into a spaceship. This is not a meme I'm aware of. Oh, you, but I you feel like should it's right be. up my alley. Yeah, yeah, this is like the most you meme oh, that man. exists. Yeah, no, it's not haunted. It's 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 just infested with bionic chimps. Bionic chimps, yeah. Just, which Ugh. is why they went with Steve Austin, because he had gone to the moon and he kind of was like aware of the whole chimp thing. Yes. And now I'm writing comic books like Kevin Smith. <laughs> I I love Kevin Smith. I love some him of his so ideas. Much. Are... I, 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 Kevin Smith is forever one of my favorite people, yeah. but man, just <laughs> sometimes he needs to do a second draft. He or a third or yeah. or needs to accidentally run into John Peters so that he's then dissuaded from going further. So of course, Masher said to Kevin Smith, "This is wait. This is this is like a comic book," which Kevin thought was a compliment. <laughs> oh no, Kevin! Yeah, it was not a compliment. No. It was absolutely not meant as a compliment. Uh, so he was not given a chance to write another draft, but he actually feels pretty happy with what he wrote. Uh, Did they turn into a comic book? I, that I don't know. I feel like they might have. He. Probably would have tried, I think. Yeah. Uh, but he 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 did say uh, regarding this script, you know, I didn't try to push the edges of the envelope technologically, like inventing shit where they had to craft shots. Uh, it was really kind of retro in its low tech approach. So he had like some practical concerns in mm-hmm. mind to try okay. and like keep costs down and make it more you know make it more doable. But he Hollywood, wrote, right. Hollywood, and he wrote what he wrote. Right. They then they didn't like what he wrote. So they scrapped this idea and they decided to go with a whole different approach. So second attempt. Universal wanted to honor their commitment to the project, but they needed to appoint a new team as everyone Smith had been working with was gone with the exception of Anderson. Hmm. So he, yeah, he's the only one still kicking. He's the only one from the original show that's still like, no, we have to make this happen. Do you know if they, for Kevin's script, do you know if they were originally going to reuse Lee Majors? No, I, if I'm not mistaken, Lee Majors was never in consideration to actually play the $6 million man in any After he'd gotten married. After he gotten married, yeah, right. yeah, gotcha. I, yeah. I think I think the idea is they were going to go with fresh actors for this. Gotcha. With the exception of Anderson, he was going to rep- reprise his okay. role, but that actually actually that comes up later. Great. So Universal assembles a brand new team to go for the second attempt. We have uh, producer Lawrence Gordon, known for uh, Predator, Field of Dreams, Forty Eight Hours, Die Hard, Event Horizon, uh, the two thousand nine Watchmen. All wow. of all of the Hellboy movies, including including the most recent one, Boogie Nights, and K Pax. 
I like K-Pax. I actually kind of enjoy yeah. K-Pax. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's problematic now. But yeah, like, I mean, yeah, fuck Kevin Spacey, right. but you know, K-Pax was kind of interesting. Yeah. The 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 director that she's to bring in is Paul W S Anderson, not Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. So he was known. He was actually a collaborator with with uh, Lawrence Gordon, as they had both worked on Event Horizon. And uh, he's he was also known for, uh, weirdly, a bunch of video game adaptations because uh-huh. he directed Mortal Kombat, he directed Alien vs Predator, he directed a couple of the Resident Evil films, and the uh, recent Monster Hunter film. Did he do Blood Rain? No, that was Uber Bowl. That's right. You that's don't right. bring that motherfucker <laughs> up. No. There. Listen. We'll we'll inevitably this... have to do an episode about him. Oh, God, I watched that movie for two reasons. Um, meatloaf and boobies. Oh, that's right. We did talk about the fact that Meatloaf was in that. That's, God that damn was it. The, it was in front of me, and I yep. was like, what is this movie? Meatloaf? Boobies? All right. I hate I hate that I did that. Yeah. No, you, may, you that was a trap. Yeah, it was a trap. The Resident <laughs> Evil movies are gar- – maybe the first one still holds up. But I, everything after that oh – It God. goes off the rails pretty hard to my to my recollection. Yeah, but I haven't seen anywhere near all of them, but was, there's far too many of them. No was, offense to Mila Jovovich, but like, no, holy shit, there's too many of those movies. Well, she was married to the director, right? I think that's why they keep cranking them out. Really? I think so. Is it a Melissa McCarthy, Ben Falcone I'm kind of situation? Sure. God damn it. And that was before I, wrote, I played the game, so I can only imagine I would hate oh, them now. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> All right, so uh, for writing, they brought in another Gordon collaborator, uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, known for 48 Hours, Die Hard, Street Fighter, Judge Dredd, Ret- The Return of Captain Invisible, Jumpin' Jack Flash, The Spirit, The Running Man, and uh, several episodes from uh, Tales from the Crypt and Knight Rider, as well as Hudson Hawk. And the, re- the main reason he was brought in for this, uh, he wrote... It is one of his earliest gigs. He wrote for the Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman. Okay, so he's got experience with sense. the franchise. Uh, specifically, he wrote the two-parter Death Probe and uh, the episode okay. Rollback. Death, uh, Death Probe's considered one of the better episodes. Nice. Okay, so he yeah. has that. He, he's got that going for him, which yeah. is nice. Uh, so D'Souza pitches this dark, twisted, hard sci-fi version of the Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, so he wanted a total departure from the original story. Okay. Just something something the audience has never seen before. He wanted to keep people on their toes, give them something fresh. So he pitched this new take to Gordon and another producer at a very particular Italian restaurant. Okay. I don't know the name of the restaurant, but he he chose this very particular Italian restaurant because of their very particular style of breadstick. I'm going to read a an excerpt here from David Hughes. It's Wario's. We're going to go with it's Wario's. It's Wario's. Right. Yes, he went to Wario's, Wario's Family Pizzeria and Pasta and pasta Trough. Right. <laughs> I, I, I was mad at the word Pasta Trough, but then I was like, wait a minute. Wait, it's Wario. No, that's perfect. Pasta Trough sounds delicious right <laughs> now. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm so hungry. <laughs> so he begins this pitch. Yeah. It's Cape Canaveral. They launch a mission to the space station that's up there now, bringing a nuclear-powered module that requires incredible finesse to attach that will upgrade the station. So we build up this incredible mission and the critical work of putting this thing together, and our guy is selected for this job. 
a very gung-ho, retro, extremely militant, flag-waving character so he can be disillusioned later. And we can put him through an incredible emotional ride. He's also the most experienced spacewalker. And because it's so secret, the other people on the crew, a mixture of civilians and scientists, even they don't know what he's doing. Now remember, the audience has been programmed throughout all these years of reruns that he's going to crash when he lands. But he goes out and does the spacewalk to connect the two things, and something goes wrong. This module is hot, and it's moving too fast, and it's going right toward where it's supposed to dock with the space station. And there's a misfire on the rockets that make this thing move, and it's moving too quickly, and it's going to hit the station. But Steve pulls the umbilical. He saves everybody. He saves the station. And he looks up and realizes he's partially between the space station and the module. So the entire time he's speaking, giving uh-huh. this pitch, he's got his hands under the table. God damn it. Because he's futzing with breadsticks. Uh-huh. He's doing he's doing a thing. He makes the breadsticks into the shape of a little man. So it's gonna and he 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 puts it all together in just such a way that it's gonna burst apart in a very particular way. So at a crucial moment of the pitch, he brings the figure to the out of the table, took Anderson's water glass, and smashed it down onto the figure in such a way that it crushed one of its arms and both of its legs. They went, Oh, unbelievable, that's fantastic. They all went they, uh, everybody fucking loved it. They loved the presentation. They they thought it was an amazing idea. They were like, Yeah, we're gonna pit we're gonna pitch this to Paul and we're gonna come back and we're gonna make this happen. I, I liked the pitch. It's, I was very confused by the breadstick man. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why he needed the breadstick man. Everybody knows what limbs Steve Austin <laughs> loses. This we, was we've all played Hangman before. We know what a human body I mean, looks also, like. <laughs> yes, we've all gone to med school, Jack. <laughs> we all understand those <laughs> very scientific Hangman like, di- diagrams. <laughs> you didn't go to Waluigi's School of Medicine. <laughs> It's right beside so, Wario's yes, spaghetti wa- truck. Wa- <laughs> Waluigi. <laughs> wa- Waluigi's family practice and education trough, right, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But hey, I've never sold a movie, so maybe I need more breadstick men. Fair. Maybe we need to start doing breadstick origami to really right. make this shit work. <laughs> God damn it. Despite everyone being so super wowed with his presentation, uh, three days later, the whole idea scrapped. Okay. Yeah. Paul Anderson wanted nothing to do with this. He, he wanted audience. He, he wanted bad ideas. He, well, he felt that the audiences wanted the familiarity of the original story. So everyone was Probably. like, well, I guess we're doing that. I don't disagree with him as far as like monies go. I would be more interested in seeing the new interpretation. It's funny you should mention monies. The next film that Paul Anderson had release as they were starting to mm-hmm. work on this project was Soldier. With Kurt Russell? Yes. This movie had a $75 million budget. That's a lot of that's a lo- million dollar men. It's a lot of million dollar <laughs> men. And uh, Soldier brought in $6.5 million on its opening weekend and ended up bring, only bringing in $15 million overall. That's not that many. No, that is men. several less million men. <laughs> Universal sees this happen and goes, oh, fuck, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So they drop Paul Anderson and this entire version of the project because they genuinely didn't think that he right. could make this work. And that was brilliant on their part. And everybody should have followed. You'd think so. Their, yeah. So the project, again, fails and it sits in limbo for a couple more years. Fast forward to the, our next attempt. Uh, 
rumors start to appear in 2000, around April of 2000, that there is actually a version of the $6 million man being developed that's a comedy. Uh, this does this does not happen. Okay. This, well, this does not happen. But it's it's worth noting because the the actual collection of people they have working on this is mm-hmm. just is just it feels like a Mad Lib. Okay. So David Lynch, uh, if only. <laughs> Mark Frost comes up later, though. Huh. Yeah. Completely unrelated. Uh. So they get the creators of Smallville to write it. Okay, I don't hate that. They get the Farrelly brothers to direct it. I hate that. <laughs> I knew you were going to hate that. And Chris Rock to star. And Chris Rock confused. was like pumped. Chris Rock was like, I can't wait to do this. Don't he never hate got it, to do but this. I am confused. I, I don't hate the idea of Chris Rock doing this. I I don't like the idea of the Farrelly brothers, especially that era of right. the Farrelly brothers doing this. No, that sounds horrible. But this this obviously never happened. But what did happen was that in tw- in 2001, a partnership was struck between Universal and Dimension Films. Okay. Now, d- what do you know about Dimension Films? Fuck. I knew you were going to ask that. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, the only thing you need to know is that they are headed by Bob Weinstein. Fuck. I was like, is that them before Miramax? It, no, it, it is, is considered. It, it, it is Miramax's genre division. Basically, oh, okay, okay. that's that's how it's referred to in Hughes's text. Is gotcha. it, it's it's the genre division of Miramax. Okay. Uh, I will note at no point is Harvey Weinstein mentioned in any of this. Just Bob. So okay. I don't know what kind of shit he got up to, but he's not Harvey. It's yeah. I've I've wondered that because Kevin Smith has talked about dealing with the Weinstein's and yeah. always said that working with Bob was much nicer than working with Harvey. I mean, I believe that, but I also have a hard time thinking that one, they were brothers and two, they were business partners. How would how, he, not he how know? could he not know anything? Right. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that there was that much s- satirical uh, portrayal of Weinstein like characters throughout pop culture and that his brothers would not <laughs> put that together. Uh, but you're right. He's not Harvey Weinstein. He's not. That is the very least that I can I, yeah. I definitively say about Bob Weinstein is that he's not Harvey Weinstein. Do we need to say what a Harvey Weinstein is? Or I think is everyone know, I think knows. Every, I think everyone knows okay. that Harvey Weinstein is a, a, a fucking sexual predator and ruined a bunch of people's careers right. and lives. A producer of films. Way too much power in Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Um, moving on from that piece of shit. The idea here was that they were going to try to adapt uh, the original book, Cyborg, uh, hmm. as part of a rights package that actually included that book and all three of its sequels. Uh, so they were absolutely thinking like big old franchise with okay. this. They were going to try. They were going to try and jump in and make a splash because I think at this point you've got X Men kind of hitting. You've got the Spider Man film mm-hmm. starting to, starting to hit pretty good. Like they're like there are series they're starting early to early two thousands this is early two thousands okay. yeah so they're yeah so you they 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 see a goal they think they can achieve with this franchise and they still have Lawrence Gordon on to produce along with a whole slew of Dimension executives nothing actually came of this for a couple of years this kind of like simmered in the background for a while until a rumor hit in two thousand three that Jim Carrey was interested in playing Steve Austin and then he was asked about it. And uh, he was, a- and he actually confirmed that he would. That uh, fuck. Yeah, 
like this was a thing that was like, close to happening apparently. When when was Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind? Eternal Sunshine. Was that 2005? I want to say that was 2005. Okay. So he's like trying to get away from comedy a little bit. 2004. Okay. Yeah, so he, he's he's at that point where he's starting to think about moving away from comedy, which I mean he'd already had the Truman show at that point, which yeah. while comedic still had a lot of like right. heady ideas and emotional weight. I don't see him as like an action star though. No, that's the thing. And you know, that, like, that was kind of my like my take whenever he got cast in Kick-Ass 2. It was like, given there's some comedy to these films, but like sure. can he pull off action? And he ended up actually being kind of good in that yeah, movie I didn't if I remember correctly. See it. So it's not as good as the first one, sure. but Jim Carrey was actually surprisingly good in it, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Anyway, he was he was interviewed about this, and he said, "I'm going to quote again from Hughes here. Uh, we're developing that script, so I think it's just going to be a whole lot of fun. I love playing ego and insecurity combined. Well, it's the same thing, I guess. Ego out of control, but I think it's going to be fun. Six million dollars doesn't get you a lot in the world these days, so you can kind of imagine what where the plot's going to go." To make this even stranger, Lee Majors thought this was a super fucking good idea. He was actually really into it. He had to say, I'm very happy about the announcement that Jim's going to be playing the $6 million man in that movie. I think he's a great choice. That That sounds like... Direct quote in an interview with Sci-Fi Wire. That sounds like somebody who's an executive producer who's going to get a fat paycheck. That could very well be the case, but who knows? Yeah, maybe he was all about it. Yeah, I mean, you might not be surprised, but this never happened. (laughs) I I like the idea that Jim, you know, our buddy Jim, says that they're going to keep it at six mil. Because uh, I always assumed they were going to bump up the price tag. You'd think so, because the, there's there's definitely an uh, there's definitely a, like an issue there with how much a million dollars or yeah. six million dollars can get you. I like the idea of like a dollar general version of the, <laughs> the six million dollar man. Where it's just like the great value like, brand. <laughs> <laughs> there were some other reports around this time. That actually, this that this is where Mark Frost was going to be coming in as a writer. Mark Frost of Twin Peaks. Of Twin Peaks fame, yeah. yes. But guess where he also had one of his earliest gigs writing? No. Six million dollar really? man. Yeah. Okay. He also did some more. That keeps happening. Huh. They keep finding people that like had experience on the original series and keep giving them opportunities that don't go anywhere. Though, Frost did specifically mention the inflation oh, issue. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say we want a Bigfoot. And I'm like, that makes sense. Oh, my God. That would make so much sense. I really... Oh, man. Get David I involved. Need, I need them to do this now. <laughs> yeah. No, but he, he did specifically... Bigfoot. What? Kyle McLaughlin is a Bigfoot there. Oh, yeah, there's no other choice. Are you kidding me? It's done. <laughs> so he did cite the inflation factor as being an interesting point to be addressed, uh, mainly in relation to, quote, which parts are replaced at this point. So it's a little bit unclear from that quote whether he's thinking, oh, they need to bump the money up because of inflation or inflation's going to limit what they're going to be able to replace. Okay. So there are a couple of different directions that could have changed mm-hmm. the narrative. How do you think they would have went with it? I'm I'm curious. I was thinking about what's replaced and what would be the least expensive. I feel like the eye is the most likely, the least sci-fi of his body parts replaced. Yeah, it's depending on how like how they do how it. sci-fi bullshitty you get with it. Because man, I watched that arm of his fight off a Bigfoot, and uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty sci-fi. Yeah, I think the legs are the second least sci-fi 
if more for like jumping stuff than like running real fast. Sure. It would still look goofy as hell. It would probably look like one of those like robots walking down steps. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> they always look like they're constipated. Those fucking things, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they would honestly, no tracksuits, can't afford those. No, tracksuit would be right out there. I'm thinking yeah. just pure sweatpants. Just yes. Just <laughs> he's sweatpants a, and a white beater and that's it. He's a six million dollar man of the people. <laughs> six million dollar douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> Not the <laughs> Forced out of where we're going, but he could have like a Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you've looked at my notes. Yeah. I see. <laughs> One of the big issues with this, aside from like not being able to come to a consensus on like how to address the the uh, the inflation issue of sure. the money, is that rights became a big problem. Uh, okay. uh, there was a a big old rights dispute between uh, Universal and Miramax at this point. Which was specifically acknowledged by Anderson at Comic Con in 2006. Okay. Which that, that he he he's, uh, stated that that's kind of why this this attempt really fell apart. Though it's also interesting to note part of this rights dispute prevented a U.S. DVD box set from existing. God, I hate it when that shit happens. I mean, it exists now. Like yeah. at, th- at this point in the future, we ha- we are we are blessed to have this holy tome available from Amazon or where or your outlet of choice, but. Sorry, I blacked out for a second. I think there was a <laughs> uh, similar issue with Twin Peaks, actually. I think. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, there was a UK DVD box set, though. That's obnoxious. That's weird. I hate that that shit happens. Yeah. Like, you can get the full Kill Bill yep. full cut in, like, Japan, but not here. Not here. I'm blaming the Weinsteins. I think it's just generally safe to blame them for yeah. most things. Yeah, so at that point, like, the show's actual cultural footprint in the country that made it right. was less than it could have been. So I'm sure that was also an issue, is, is like, drumming up actual mm-hmm. excitement for it, because you got a bunch of people, like, us chuckle fucks, who were like, what? <laughs> right. What? The, the Venture Brothers? He, he, what? He had sex with a Bigfoot? <laughs> he, he fucked a Bigfoot? He fucked and shaved a Bigfoot? Did they do that? Oh, that was the first time we seen him, yeah. Shaved Bigfoot was something he hadn't seen before. So... We fall into radio silence again for years, for almost an entire decade at this point, until 2014. A new adaptation gets announced from Dimension under the title The Six Billion Dollar Man. So we're finally addressing the uh, we're finally addressing the inflation. We're finally bringing this to a more current state. But before we really jump into that, let's take a break. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Mike. And I'm Tabby. From Happy Hour Podcast. We are here to tell you about one little thing that we are doing starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on August 26th. We're going to break the world record for the longest recorded podcast. Join Caleb, Tab, myself, our producers, and some absolutely amazing indie podcasters for this event. We were also lucky to score El Presidente of the Salty Hippo Nation, Gunner, from the legendary Gunner Podcast. We're going to be streaming this from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Join us in making podcast history. And always remember, don't text and drive, don't drink and drive, and always drink responsibly. Welcome back, everybody. We're finally getting to the modern era here. We're finally getting to the $6 billion man adaptation of this franchise. 2014, this was originally pitched to be directed by Peter Berg and starring Mark Wahlberg. 
Do I know Peter Berg from something? Uh, they both collaborated together on the on the film Lone Survivor. Aside from that, I'm not entirely sure of Berg's filmography. I didn't I, look into him as deeply as I did the other folks. Before we get too deep into Marky Mark, sure. um, I should probably come out and say that I'm not a big fan of his work and have it, not, therefore, watched pretty much any of his movies except for The Departed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. This is the least surprising thing that you've told me <laughs> okay. in about five years. <laughs> Just I do know that he got into a fight and permanently blinded a man. Was this the hate crime that he committed? Yeah. 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 Because yeah, he permanently blinded an Asian gentleman. Yeah. For for I for no good reason, certainly. Right. Yeah. He, he did play a really good asshole in the, the Departed. Everybody played a good asshole <laughs> in the Departed. Everybody's a fucking asshole in the Departed. That one therapist was fine. The one therapist was fine. Yeah. Everyone else. Is Everyone awful. else is a colossal <laughs> asshole. God, I want to watch the Departed. Now. I know. God damn it. So the goal for this film was to get was to get a 2016 release, uh, but it had to contend with Wahlberg's schedule, much as much as we talked about with uh, some of the Amory Wars stuff last episode. Right. Uh, so at this point, he was also slated to shoot Daddy's Home and Deepwater Horizon. Yeah, I don't want to miss out on those films. No, uh, no, super important, major cinematic achievements. Those and happening there. too, and happening. <laughs> uh, he was also supposed to be in the TV series Shooter which was coming out around that time. As far as I can tell, he is not actually in this fucking show, or at the very least, if he is, he's not credited. Huh. Yet, an article that I read about some things we're going to get into later cited him as being an actor in the show, even though this article came out in, like, 2019? And I'm extremely confused, because it's, as by all record that I can see, it doesn't seem like he was actually a part of this goddamn series. Maybe they did, like, a Adrian Brody Thin Red Line, where they just recorded all of this shit and then cut it all. Maybe. I don't know. That's what we got with. They're like, we made a huge, huge <laughs> mistake, mistake casting Marky Mark. Oof. For Mark Wahlberg, this was his superhero project, or his answer to superhero right. projects, let's say. Because he's one of the few like big-name actors who hasn't made an appearance in either the MCU or the DCEU. Cool and that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Though we're going to get into a weird MCU tie later fantastic yeah yeah so he's not been involved in any in any of these series the closest that he's gotten to doing an actual Shit. superhero you know, he would be okay not great but he would he would make a decent guy gardener the shitty asshole mm, green lantern yeah i could see that i could see that working Sorry. Uh, but it's not gonna happen so right. yeah he did he did play he voiced a superhero in the movie scoob if i'm not mistaken i, for, I forget sure. the i forget the character's name but like yeah not not important. Not no. like the Scooby is the focus of Scoob. One would hope. That'd be really fucking weird if he wasn't, yeah. right? I haven't seen it, but I don't no, know if I it's just either. strictly a Fred movie. You know what? Like I, I would Fred, watch it. Just a vehicle for Fred to make, make and obsess over traps. Listen, we. I'm going to stop you right now because okay. we are on dangerous footing. Where I will go into a Scooby Doo rant for hours. So and we have to save, save that for the that. episode where we bring my friend Trish on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to put put that back in the box. Uh, okay. Put that down there. Yeah. And say, Scoob, Marky Mark, huh? Scoob, Weird. Marky Moving Mark. on. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> even though there was some excitement behind this, there was some momentum at the studio behind this, uh, we start hitting roadblocks a year in. So November 2015, it's announced that Peter Berg is going to be replaced by Damien Zifron. And they pushed the goal of the release back to 2017. 
in December of that year, the Weinstein Company sells the rights of the film to Warner Brothers. So now we have our Warner Brothers rights connection uh, okay, there. Okay, uh, that though sense. that still does not answer our question regarding the Venture Brothers' use of OSI, because that was way fucking before 2017. Huh. Yeah. What, I, n- nobody must have given a shit. But there were continued uh, changes in personnel and another pushback of the release date related to this. Uh, at this point, Zifron is then replaced by Travis Knight and Bill Dubuque as writers and directors. And this is in 2019 that this okay. change is made. And the late, the last release date change that gets made is to push it back to June 5th, 2020. So that's, that's the release date. That's the release date okay. that they're going for. Yeah, yeah, uh, there was, it. and there was an utter travesty, a tragedy that took okay. place that, that bumped it out of that slot. Can you can you think of what that was in twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. There was this time in twenty twenty when I went to get a banh mi sandwich at this like sweet Vietnamese place, and I didn't understand the menu very well. Uh huh. And I was just like, "Oh yeah, was just it, make it like the way." Ba- it, was it banh mi and tea? It could be. Probably. Place, place is pretty good. On Butler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, nothing, no, nothing bad with their service. They were great. Yeah, I just am an idiot and didn't read the menu very closely. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, all those meat things sound good to me. And I'm not a big meat eater to begin with. And then um, I took a bite into it and realized that was brain. And um, that was pretty bad for me. That was my, I was pretty upset. So is this more? Um, this is a more. This is a more <laughs> wide ranging tragedy that took place uh, or, uh, no, in, or incident that took place. No, that was pretty much it. I no. I did give it to our friend Steve though, and he loved it. Oh yeah, no, that tracks. Not a big, uh, what was it? Tripe? Is that what it's called? Tripe? Yeah, no, that's like sheep's stomach. Oh no, that's not what it was. You're thinking like 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 uh, like sweet meats? <laughs> it was it was brain. It was brain. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, sweet meats. Stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to the pasta trough. <laughs> I'm safe there. <laughs> it is always safe at Wario's family pasta trough. <laughs> Just don't go next door for anything. Don't go next door for anything. Unless you need Tylenol or an ice pack. You That's don't want to go. Don't want to go for actual surgery. <laughs> Waluigi's not licensed for this. He does fuck though. Oh god, does he fuck? <laughs> so no, no, twenty twenty, nothing. All right, so so I, I was I was trying to I was trying to bait you into into thinking I was talking about COVID because what I'm actually talking about is the release of Wonder Woman 1984. That's that's what got moved into that release date slot was Wonder Woman 1984, and that they were like, oh, these two properties are too similar. We can't possibly have. No, I think they were just prioritizing the superhero film over over Mark uh, Marky oh, Mark's six oh, billion. They're both Warner Brothers. They're right, both right, Warner right, Brothers. Right, yeah, okay. so they were like, no, we're going to allocate the resources to uh, Patty Jenkins writing this piece of shit or directing this piece of shit over here, um, and thus six billion dollar man has not happened. This is the only occasion in which I'm glad Wonder Woman 1984 was made. Uh, I'm still not. It's it's a really bad movie. It's a really bad movie, and it's really fucking problematic in a lot in a number of ways. I was screaming the whole time, so I don't. I didn't hear most of it. Yeah, I mean, there's the whole like, hey, I'm I've I've taken over your body for a reason. I'm conscious and driving oh, your body. Yeah. I'm gonna have sex with this person with your body <laughs> that there takes place in there. That, there was there was that. That was a thing that happened. Um, thanks for that, Warner Brothers. I'm glad the I'm glad the Snyder verse is dead. In the time since this has all happened, Wahlberg's been quoted as saying that he does not see the project happening unless he finances it himself. 
which he is not interested in doing. Hmm. So that then also answers our Amory Wars question about where about whether or not the money would be there. Because if he was not uh, willing, okay. if he was not willing to fund this, there's no, there's no way fucking gonna... way he was going to fund the, the Amory, the Amory Wars, Wars yeah. by himself either. So we have a little bit of closure on that front as this, well. Like dark space opera. So that really is where we are at this point. Like that that wraps up everything regarding just the six million dollar man itself, or the six billion dollar mm-hmm. man. There's nothing. There's no updates. There's everything is everything's just kind of left out in the ether at this point. And I'm not sure th- I'm not sure personally if there's the excitement to really go back and revisit it. It's been delayed for over 20 years at this point. I don't think that you'd have to reinvent it for audiences at this yeah, point to I agree. give a shit. Um and I think you could cuz much like with the fugitive, I don't know that there was a whole. I think there was, you know, the audience that was aware of it being a TV series prior to the Harrison Ford movie coming out. Yeah, but the movie, the fugitive, in and of itself, was interesting and good enough that you didn't need to know anything about the previous series. Yeah. So if you're going to do a six million dollar man or six billion dollar man, you would need to make it basically pretend like you were making it in a vacuum. Yeah while keeping in mind that there are going to be people that do remember the original series and are going to come to it hoping for that nostalgia. Frankly, I think they should bring back Breadstick Man because uh, <laughs> I, I thought his pitch was actually pretty good. I thought that pitch was cool, too. I like I like the idea of a like a darker, more twisty-turny yeah. kind of hard sci-fi narrative that begins with that kind of tragedy that he averts there. And, and also, like, the whole idea of having like this you know, like jingoistic, flag-waving guy get completely yeah. disillusioned and brought low sounds particularly satisfying in our current yeah. climate. So before I knew anything about the six million dollar man, I kind of like mishmashed the Venture Brothers version together with like my memory of it. And I assumed that he was on the run, which was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I what I like about the pitch is that it immediately makes him a hero. Whereas in the original, it's like the his ship was tampered with. I don't think we learned that in the pilot though. No, I don't I, mean, I, I was not aware of I that. I mean, he doesn't learn it. We do as an audience. Kind sure. of, it's it's pretty uh implied. Okay. So I think this property could work. You just need to have it in like really good hands. And I don't know that a studio is going to care enough to take that leap. They're going to see, oh, IP, let's make money off of this IP. And they're going to make a shitty nostalgia film. I mean, they didn't, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't include any $6 million man iconography in the background of anything in Space Jam 2. So... I guess that tells you it's how, dead. Mu- it's how dead. much. It's dead. Uh, uh, I mean, hey, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, and there is actually a Steve Austin or uh, or Jamie Summers hiding in the background of all that hell that is Space Jam <laughs> Two, uh, let me know so that I have another reason to be mad at this fucking movie. No, they had to make room for the nuns from the Devil. Oh, right. My bad. A reference that every child understood. Every child totally gets that one. Yeah. Except for that one child who actually did it, get it, and I'm like, you are really cool. Your parents are awful. You're gonna be sweet. You're gonna be. You're gonna. You're gonna be deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. But super interesting. Good company. <laughs> While that wraps things up, really, for the six million dollar man, it doesn't wrap things up for me with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> okay. So this is the second time that we've done one of these. Yes. And it's also the second time that we've run into Mark Wahlberg. Uh huh. And 
given that in and of itself doesn't sound like it's that weird. I mean, he was the highest paid actor in 2017. Okay. He's a very prominent and prolific actor. What the fuck did he do in 2017 that oh, he got money for? Well, a bunch of shit, apparently. Okay. He has he has also uh, he also does a ton of producing work as well. Oh, so okay. like he's bringing okay. in money that way too. But it still feels weird that we're running into him this frequently already, right? Right. Two for two. Come on now. I and, hate that you're leading somewhere with this. I can smell it. Well, I'm I might not be leading where okay. you think I'm leading cuz I learned I'm I I alluded during our guest spot on the Moose Lounge mm-hmm. that I may have learned something about Mark Wahlberg. And I need I I didn't want to say more at that point because I really I, I stumbled on this idea on like kind of shaky foundations because sure. it was like a, a a a headline of a like a clickbait article. Sure, right. And the clickbait article was suggesting that Mark Wahlberg was looking to retire and focus exclusively on faith-based in- endeavors. Now, it is no secret that Mark Wahlberg is a devout Catholic. He has been his entire life. He's extremely, uh, he is extremely into th- that whole practice. He, like reads the bible or goes or or goes to mass like one or the other every single day apparently so Jeez. so so he says i will say in his favor at least he he does publicly say that he w- he refuses to force his ideas on his children i appreciate so, that yeah that's nice i'm glad you know i'm ho- i'm hoping that that's actually accurate right so but the reason this all actually came to a uh, came to even to reach clickbait proportions mm, right. was because he said something along those lines in the uh during promotion of his one of his more recent films Father Stew. Uh it's a movie where he plays an ex-boxer turned pastor who goes on to like inspire a bunch of people. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know a whole lot beyond that about this movie with the exception that Mel Gibson's also in it. Okay. Yeah. So in interviews for this, he's he's basically said that he's considering retiring sooner rather than later because he wants to spend more time with his family. That's sure. the thing that he, he's found he really cares the most about, and it's getting harder and harder for him to spend prolonged periods of time away from his family, which makes sense. Fair, I get that. But he, he specifically says that it would have to be more roles like Father Stu. And he and he he says in the interview, not maybe not specifically faith based, but substantive, like something that has the potential to help other people. Okay. Given his devout belief, I'm not entirely sure what he means outside of faith based at that point. Right. I mean, and you can have a religiously leaning film that is not specifically faith based. True. I think that Silence, a Scorsese film, is very uh, – Scorsese is very Christian. Yeah. Very, very Christian. Oh, yeah. No, um, he's pretty open about that. You see that in the film. Me as an atheist, I had no problem watching the film and enjoying it because it's these two characters. It didn't feel like a faith-based film where I'm like, you are preaching to me. Sure. It's these two characters that are fighting with being Christian – I think Jesuit priests in feudal Japan. Oh, uh, it's it is gorgeous. I think it's a crime that's not talked about more. And the reason it's called silent is because so much of the movie is so quiet, but the violence is oh. There's like a scene where one of the torture methods 
for one of the people that said they're Christian during feudal Japan era, which was illegal, um, mm-hmm. is just tied up on a stake by the ocean. And oh, just God. allowed to have the ocean just work. take him. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. It's, it's some, it's weird because like before I, I saw it in theaters, not our Scott, but Pirate Scott. <laughs> That's what Melinda calls Scott from New York. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because he has gorgeous pirate hair. That's true. And kind of an Earl Flynn mustache. Yeah. We were both like kind of on the verge of a panic attack going in to watch it. And just the like sound design of the film dropped mine out. I was, I was like, I haven't been this common forever. Pirate Scott, however. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's like, the carnage, the torture. I'm like, no, nah, calmed me down pretty well, actually. <laughs> anyway, it, 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 if you could have done that exact same film as a faith based film, and I'd be like, yeah, I think this makes sense. But you could also do it as like a, just a movie for the people, and you can interpret it however you want and have it still be beneficial uh, with y- your Christian beliefs. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Marky Mark. The one thing, the one thing that kind of like makes me look a little side eyed at Marky Mark in, <laughs> in all of this is that Father Stew is not his first collaboration with Mel Gibson in in recent times. Who's also uh, not problematic in any way. Oh, I mean, except in a bunch of ways. So, <laughs> uh, so the first time that they worked together, at least as far as I'm aware, was uh, Daddy's Home Two. It came out in 2017. Uh huh. So, for me, the question regarding Wahlberg. Is how long how long has his faith been impacting his filmmaking choices? I was gonna ask that. And what role is Mel Gibson playing in that? And how does the remainder of his career play out from here? here here's my suggestion. There was a time when Mel Gibson was canceled. Yes. And uh people really liked him. Moms really liked him. My mom really likes him. My mom really likes him. Yeah. And they didn't want him to go away. Yeah. So they were they they were like, we need to just make a couple of comeback movies. They're like a little, little indie, and you can sneak back in. And there's one where he um, talks with a beaver. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, that was immediately where my head went to. Don't know what it's called. Never watch it. Have no idea if it's any good. <laughs> I suggest that Marky Mark has been dead for years, <laughs> and that Mel Gibson is working him like a beaver puppet. Ew. <laughs> I'm searching Mel Gibson Beaver. Uh huh. That feels like a mistake, right? Yeah, it's not great. Well, I think my I think my my internet connectivity has killed itself. <laughs> it's like I won't do it. <laughs> you can't make me. The more baffling thing about that movie is that Jodie Foster's in it. In the Beaver, in the movie? Beaver movie, I believe so. Oh my god, that doesn't seem right. No, it doesn't. They tricked her. Uh, I think. Oh no, it's just called the Beaver. Huh. It's literally just called The Beaver. My God. <laughs> Free to watch now on Tubi. Oh, good. What's what's the IMDb score, does it say? Uh, 6.6. 6. Not bad for a beaver pup movie. 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Man, moms really want to bone that Fuck racist. It. Yeah, it's absurd. It's, 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 anti-Semitism just isn't a fucking problem for some moms. It's weird. <laughs> I should say that is that is a problem for my mom. <laughs> I was going to say that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, if Mark Wahlberg's not dead and being puppeteered <laughs> by Mel Gibson, he actually does have some other secular films okay. that are coming out. He's just about to release a comedy called Me Time, where he's co-starring with Kevin Hart. Masturbating? Uh, well, I don't know. It's m- it's, it, with Me that time. title, it really right. does suggest it. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know if his faith is getting is, is like mm. getting that up in his he's decision talking, making. He's talking. Was it Chris Hart? Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart out of masturbating. Oh, so he's pl- oh he's playing Kellogg. He's playing Kellogg. There we go. <laughs> you have to eat these cornflakes, Kevin Hart, so you stop touching yourself constantly. It's you're saying me time too happy. It's like me time. That would be it. Right. Yep. I'm Absolutely. Sorry. I'll let you brought brought to you by Michael Bay. Okay. There's another film coming out called Our Man from Jersey, which I, I have no idea what that's about. Uh, and then this last one is uh, called Arthur the King. Just hearing the title, I want you to tell me what this movie's about. If I didn't know Marky Mark was involved, my answer would be very different. Okay. Uh, Arthur the King, I would assume it would be a Ridley Scott film about knights doing boring shit for sure. three hours. Yeah. Um, only to have a four hour cut released several years later. And it still wouldn't be anywhere it's... near as interesting as The Green Knight. Oh my God. You want to go watch The Green Knight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, about Arthur Lion Face. I don't like Arthurian legends. No, I know you don't. Yeah, I was going to say, Lionface? What? What's his name? Richard the Lionheart? Whatever. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Which one's Arthur? Not that Ar- one. <laughs> Arthur the Sunshine Drunk? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Arthur the, sun- the Sunshine Drunk. Uh, now now appearing weekly at <laughs> Wario's Family Postatroph. <laughs> it was really confusing because he's he's actually got like a sombrero and does... Uh, <laughs> what am I thinking? He does mariachi? Yeah, he's a mariachi. Oh, my God. Arthur the Sunshine. Drunk. Um, I was thinking of Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Oh, Uh, okay. There we go. I'm done talking. Okay. It's all stupid coming out of my mouth. Well, what I'm about to say is not going to be smarter. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Arthur the King is not at all a King Arthur-related story. It is an adaptation of the book Arthur, the dog who crossed the jungle to find a home. Written by Mikhail Lindnord and also starring Simu Liu. Help, help me out. Uh, he is a Shang-Chi. Oh, uh, what? In the MCU. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's the star of Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings. What? Yeah. I told you there's going to be an MCU tie-in, and there it was. I am so confused. <laughs> me too. Is it live action? I have no idea. I know nothing about this. Arthur I don't think the there's king any... who's a dog who's traveling across the jungle to get to the. It's it's, it's supposed to be an. A... Oh no! Don't go there. <laughs> no, don't, don't take the dog there. Uh, no, it, it is to my understanding, it's an action adventure film. So it's going to be some kind of exciting romp for uh, excited children. I'm sure. Is maybe I have no idea. Maybe Shang- she aware of his previous hate crimes. I don't see how he couldn't. You be. know what? This is getting too uncomfortable. Let's move on. Yep. <laughs> uh, and actually, that's it. <laughs> that's right, everything. Right. That's everything that I've got at this point. Uh, un- unless we get some more thoroughly de- uh, definitive answers regarding Mark Wahlberg's uh, thought processes and whatnot, that's all I have for this uh, for this particular dive into de- into development hell. This movie is not as dead as I would like it to be. It's, That's the it's, thing. it's zombie dead. It's zombie dead. Like it. It is. Somebody shot shambling. it, thinking it was dead. It's shambling. On, did not get shot in the head. It's shambling on the Warner Brothers lot somewhere. Yeah, but no one can really get a hold of it or put it down. They've just kind of like put it in a closet with some boxes in front of it, and they're yes. they, like wrote, "Don't go in here. Don't yeah, don't don't open dead inside." <laughs> <Just> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't get open inside. Yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, god damn it. Uh, I don't think this movie is impossible to make well. You just have to get the right people involved. And it's weird that they brought in so many voices from the original show and it still didn't happen. It still anywhere. didn't happen. That's one of the biggest things that's surprising to me is there is, there was so much like knowledgeable, passionate input going in at various points and it just didn't amount to anything. They need a Ty West of 70s television. So Ty West is a big fan of like 70s horror. Yeah. And that shows him a lot of his work. It's still modern, but the aesthetic is still there. The respect for that jo- those genres are still there. Um, he does like a demon movie, kind of like a Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Um, he does kind of a Cannibal Holocaust type dealy do. And then his most recent one is very like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That, okay. That's X. Oh, that's um, Oh, oh yeah. okay. I knew I recognized that name. Okay. Yeah. I, I have not watched a movie of his and not enjoyed it. There is a movie he's disowned. That was like a sequel to a movie. It was like oh. when he was first getting started. And what what's the movie? It's like fuck. I I can't remember. It's uh, maybe yeah. It's a two. It's a like sure House of the Dead Babies two. Um, <laughs> Waluigi's Dead Baby Wal- House. Waluigi's uh, Dead two. Baby's House two, which is not an impossible thing to imagine. But somebody who <laughs> has that respect of like seventies television, kind of that. Uh, nostalgia with like a little bit of tongue in cheek who can also kind of put a modern twist on it for modern audiences. Cause you could watch X and have no, you could have never seen Texas Chainsaw or any of those seventies horror films and still enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you should say that. Cause there was, um, I forgot to touch on this at the, at the time, but one of the various writers or directors that we were covering for one of those various attempts had also adapted, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Okay, I've not watched anything with Star Starsky and Hutch. Uh, well, I mean, the film version of it that came out, which I think was Ben Stiller mm-hmm. and was it Lou- Owen Wilson? It might have been Owen. Yeah, I think it was okay. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. It was com- obviously a comedy, right? And you know, the, and the show was more of like you know, like a you know, a buddy cop thing, like not not comedic, but like you know, crime driven, right. drama, right. action driven if, mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken see kind of what mo was saying earlier uh six million dollar man was more serious whereas bionic woman wasn't i could yeah. see them turning bionic woman more comedic not quite like a brady bunch movie yeah kind of like what marvel's trying to do with she hulk right now yeah. yeah i think you could tell there's so many different things you could do with the bionic man movie um with like disabilities yeah. You could do things with like government issues, insurance issues. I'm not saying you need to turn this into like a socialist <laughs> film, but there's a lot but, you could. But maybe they, or, but maybe they should. Maybe you should. There's a lot of great 70s movies, like spy thrillers, like All the Pre- President's Men. Yeah. Uh, I think Parallax View, a bunch of that shit, even Marathon Man, that has a lot of conspiracy and distrust of government, you know, because. LBJ and Nixon, you know, that was that era. Yeah. That I think would work well with this character. Um, what I'm saying is give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. I can do it. Just so uh, I've yeah. watched four episodes. Get, give give us six six billion dollar man. Yeah. Give us the stinkers. Yeah. Just give us all the things. We'll make we'll make it work. Uh, Just watch. There will be a knife breaker in universe porno directed by brian bukaki called the six dollar man <laughs> he's got a bionic wiener 
It's just rubber bands. He just bought a bag of rubber bands for like six dollars, and he, uh, it's not going to end well for not, anybody. That's, no, that is precisely the kind of porn that would exist in the knife profession. <laughs> it is. It was also Brian Bukaki's last film. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's why he's out mm-hmm. of the game. It fell off because of the yeah. rubber bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't do the Bukaki anymore. This is a weird running game. Yep, it really is. Especially considering most of it was not on mic. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a special treat for those of you who tuned in early it wasn't on live either jack <laughs> no it was instagram i think it was just becca becca was the only person oh yeah it. no Be- no that's right that did becca happen and maybe her parents and maybe her parents oh god anyway well thank you everybody for checking us out here tonight um i hope you enjoyed this installment of development hell with a second unit if you have not already please uh rate and review and share the show as widely as possible i want to thank Josh from the Talking Smack podcast for uh, rating uh, our last couple of episodes, yeah, just- uh, five stars on Good Pod. So thank you very much for that. Check them out. Their show is a lot of fun. And uh, if, you ha- if you're not following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at DerazzledPod, on Facebook at DerazzledPodcast, on Instagram at Derazzled underscore podcast, and on TikTok at Dullboy underscore Jack. Yarp. Yes. And as of today, day of recording... Yes. We have merch. <laughs> we have three fantastic designs. Bleach, <laughs> Community Pervert, and Classic. And the, the the sweet derazzled logo you've all come to know and love. Uh there are more designs in the works. Uh there's some stuff that we had that we had immediately demanded upon jokes hitting in certain episodes that we are working on. We're trying, right? We're trying. It's just two of us. Yeah, we've got a lot going on here and to be honest, Jack is doing the designing himself. So it's yeah. I'm having a lot of fun, but capitalism is crushing my soul. Also, yes. Um and uh, my hands. Yeah, also, yes. But yeah, check all that stuff out. There's a lot of really cool stuff on there for not bad prices, honestly. So no. uh, yeah, I think it's it's it, it's if, if if you've used Redbubble before, first of all, there's a lot of discount codes. That's um, true. We'll probably put out a little baby code at some point. Yeah. But it's it has more shit than you could ever want. <laughs> Just the weirdest things that I didn't know I wanted our our logo on. If anybody uh, gets that weird fucked up backpack, that, please take a picture of you wearing it so that so we ugly. can share it. It like I I don't know what happened with that, but it's great. It's like I imagine the people who love really ugly pets would be attracted <laughs> to this. They're like, it's so ugly, it's cute. Yes. Um. Also, the derazzled shower curtain the shower curtain um, is pretty hilarious uh the mini skirt is still the best thing no, the on mini there skirt, like, like it legitimately actually, like, looks cool works um <laughs> like i don't think i have the hips for it but i might i definitely don't have the hips it. for it yeah I, I honestly i think most of the merch is just gonna be bought by us but you can have some too if you want yeah, please um, do. it's on our website drazzle.com or we're gonna post it everywhere yeah uh, the, the the red bubble link is currently in our twitter feed as well cool. and i'll be adding that to our link tree so that it is easily accessible we, we had, august is honestly kind of a really big month for us we have a lot coming up we have we a have lot this episode obviously we yeah we just we also just dropped mommy dearest as of like yeah. the same day as this recording I feel like it's one of our better episodes. I, it's one of my favorites that yeah. we've done. Uh, yeah, my partner Becca came on and guested on that, and she was fucking great. Please check that episode out. It's so good. It was intelligent and dumb. Both of my favorite things. It was it was uh, intelligent, dumb, and nuanced. Which yeah, is, yeah, in, in in all all in equal balance. And uh, I yeah, it's it's astounding. 
then we have two requested episodes coming up. We have up. two requested episodes coming up. So the next, yeah, uh, partially due to, uh, Jack's death by capitalism that's taking place, uh, as he's, as he's, as he's looking for a new job, we're going to, uh, go a little bit easier on ourselves when we're going to jump into the room for yes. our, for our, our next episode. Which I know nothing about. Which Jack's going in as blind as humanly possible and it makes me so fucking happy. Uh, we'll have a couple of special guests to come on for that one as well. And, and then after there's a football. There is a foot, but you'll see. Yeah. There's okay. a, yeah. Uh, and then after that, we'll be jumping back into development hell with Superman lives. Yes. And yeah, that's going to take us into September, which at that point will have been available for your ears for an entire fucking year. <laughs> You're, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're both deeply sorry and we love you all very much. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much for checking us out here. Thank you for letting us razzle dazzle you. Yeah.